So if you guys notice that Jesus can get away with stuff that, that none of us could ever get away with. He says stuff, he does stuff that we could never get away with. You know, I, I often will reference uh, John fourteen fifteen and John fifteen fourteen because in those passages, Jesus says, you are my friend if you do what I say. And then he says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. I could never get away with that. I could, none of us could ever get away with that. If you love me, you will keep my commands. You are my friend if you do what I say. The reason I couldn't get away with it and the reason none of y'all can get away with it is because we're flawed. And, and our ways aren't always perfect, but the ways of Jesus were perfect. In Matthew 5... Jesus begins a, a, a sermon. We now call it Sermon on the Mount. But he just started, just started talking. And by the way, our men's Bible study, how long, how long was it that we covered the, the Sermon on the Mount that we covered Matthew 5, 6, and 7? 49, 49 weeks, baby. We took our time. Man, we, we covered that. And Jesus began that sermon by saying, Blessed are those who, who mourn for you will be comforted by me. What he, what he basically said is, if you won't allow yourself to mourn, then you tie my hands from me being able to comfort you. Will you, will you mourn? And will you allow, will you allow yourself to feel that pain so I can swoop in and bring you undescribable joy. Blessed are you when you mourn because then I will come in and I'll comfort you and the comfort that I will bring will be even greater than the pain of mourning. You know, if we look at it, there's there spiritual principles that aren't our natural principles, but they're legit. There's a principle that says if we won't mourn, if we won't grieve, then we won't feel the full extent of joy that God has for us. See, I believe this is what the enemy wants for us. He, he wants us to suppress pain. He wants us to push it down. Man, you are hurting. And, and it's not even just the, the huge things in life, friends. It's not just the, the, the massive things that, w that we mourn. How many of us refuse to mourn when... when uh, when we just have a disappointment. When we're just let down. Or maybe we've been hurt. Maybe maybe it was just a thoughtless thing. And it, but it just it hurt us because we're emotional people. God built us with emotions. And so we refuse to mourn. We refuse to grieve. We just suppress it. And we just push it down. See, what happens when we do that is we become numb so over here is pain and over here is joy. And, and we become numb to the pain. But in doing so, we're never going to experience the fullest of the joys. And the more we just suppress that pain and we refuse to grieve and we refuse to mourn, what, what happens is the enemy has his way and we live in this narrow margin of life where our lows aren't low. 
because that hurts and we don't want to feel the pain. And our highs aren't high because these principles, it's, it's established. And so we live in this margin of numbness where we don't fully experience the joys of the Lord and we don't fully experience pain. And because we don't experience the pain, we don't let the Lord comfort us. And so life's just kind of unsatisfying. And it's just kind of numb. And it's not fulfilling. And this right here, my friends, is a lie of the enemy. You're telling me God wants me to feel the pain and God wants me to grieve and He wants me to mourn. That's exactly what I'm telling you. See, because if you're suppressing the pain, if I'm suppressing the pain and I refuse to grieve and I refuse to mourn, then I'm in control and and God certainly is not because we can't both be in control. And so I'm saying, I'm going to mitigate this pain. When God says, if, if, you'll, if you'll grieve, if you'll ask me, Lord, if you'll just talk to God, God, this is what happened this week. And, and I, I had a friend and we were supposed to get together and, and she canceled on me and, and it really didn't make any apologies. It, just, it was just kind of obtuse and, and, and Lord, it just hurt. Lord, it hurt. Lord, would you just touch me even in that? Lord, would you just comfort my heart in that? Because I feel so disappointed and I'm wondering, you know, why wasn't I important? And why wasn't I made a priority? And, and Lord, I feel like the reason that she canceled was just kind of petty. So Lord, I'm hurt. I'm just hurt, Lord. How many of us are willing to do that with God? Like very few. That's the honest truth. It's very few. We just suck it up and take one for the team, right? We just cowboy up. And we just keep on going. And stay saying, Lord, even something like that, it hurts. And you made me a promise, Lord, in your word. And you said that, that when, I, when I grieve, when I mourn, that you'll comfort me. So Holy Spirit, would you come in and would you comfort me now? See, God wants our joy to be giddy, falling on the ground laughing, just can't contain the goodness of God joy. And he wants us to trust him enough that when we are hurting, we will say, I'm not strong enough to bear the layer after layer that life brings my way. So Lord, I'm going to grieve this. And there's amazing things we can have if we'll just dialogue with the Lord. Jesus, where were you when that happened? You say, you'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. That's what you say, Lord. That's a promise you made. So where were you? Where were you in that time? Lord, where were you in that place? But you know what? If we ask God those questions, here's what we need to do. Zip it. And listen. And he'll let us know where he was. He'll let us know where he was during that time. Spiritual principles that aren't our natural principles. Supernatural principles. See, our God is a supernatural God. The Father is supernatural. The Son is supernatural. The Holy Spirit is supernatural. They are supernatural. The things they do are supernatural. Doesn't matter if it was the Father. Parting the Red Sea. Supernatural. Manna from heaven. Providing that. Supernatural. Causing it to to not rain for an extended period of time. Supernatural. Calling walls, causing walls to come down by, by marching around it. Supernatural. Jesus. 
Turn water into wine. Supernatural. Walking on water. Supernatural. Raising the dead. Supernatural. And the Holy Spirit. The ways He flows now. Supernatural. Supernatural. I was ministering to someone recently and then the Holy Spirit just started stirring some things and I just started speaking out. And I said, you, you don't believe you're deserving of this. You don't believe you are worthy of this. The enemy has lied to you and said you don't deserve to be happy, that you deserve to be alone, that you deserve to be homeless, that you, you, you don't deserve any of the good things you have. And he starts crying. He goes, how do you know that? I said, only by the Holy Spirit. Supernatural. It's called a word of knowledge. Why would, why would God give a word of knowledge? So I could minister to him so he could know that God is real. Because this guy doesn't know the Lord. Our God is the supernatural God. And some of his principles, it, it just requires faith. Lord, it hurts to mourn. It hurts to grieve. You know, I was recently, uh, I was with a friend. And, and he was just ministering to me and it was it was really cool and 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 I made a statement so I, I grew up in the 80s and I love music and I don't don't shame me but I grew up loving Prince and, and I told I told this friend I said you know um, I cried more when Prince died than I did when my own dad died and I was like confessing. I'm like, I, I, that, that's heavy to me. I feel, I feel like a bum. I feel like a bum that, why? And just without missing the beats, he looks at me. He said, well, Prince never wounded you. Prince never disappointed you. Prince never hurt you. All your memories with Prince or a school dance or hanging out with the buddies or going to the beach and they're all good. But see, as parents, you know, we, we, we wound our kids. We don't mean to. We just do. We disappoint our kids. Kids, you, you wound us. You just, I mean, that's life. Are we going to grieve and allow the Lord to heal us? We've got to trust God. When God says something, we've got to trust it. When He says, if you love me, you'll do what I say. Not because he's some egomaniacal, insecure God who, who, who needs to be in control, but because he says, my ways are perfect and I only have good for you. I only have good for you and I just need you to trust me and walk it out. Talia, can you put up that passage from John 7, please? Jesus makes a statement about another one of those principles, and that principle is, is thirst. We have to come to Jesus with thirst, with hunger, and He will fill us. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Next verse. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, out of his belly, will flow rivers of living water. Verse 39. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. 
For as yet, the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. I want to let you guys know right now, if you're here today and you're not hungry and you're not thirsty, there's no shame. But there will be a point when you will be hungry and thirsty for more of God. And so today I just want to um, equip you so that you know how to run to Jesus, who is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit, so that when you are hungry and thirsty for more, you are in a position to receive. Just as when you are hurting and you need joy, you run, you, you know, you, you allow yourself to grieve and hurt so that he can bring his joy and his comfort. Uh, so that's what I want to do. So for those of you, if you're like, Mark, I'm not, I'm not hungry, I'm not thirsty. I get it. We have seasons and there's certain seasons where even though we know this is the plan of the enemy, this numbness, Bottom line is there's seasons we just kind of have that, but we're just kind of numb. But that is not God's plan. This place of numbness is not God's plan. I'm going to talk about thirst. Being hungry and thirsty for the Lord and letting Jesus baptize us in the Holy Spirit. Let Him fully immerse us in the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's what baptize is. Let Him fully immerse us in the Holy Spirit so that we have power so that we can be bold, so that we are equipped to witness and to serve, and so that we bring unity to the body of Christ. Because those are the purposes of the immersion in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to fly through some scriptures. And at this point, let's let, let's let the Word of God do the heavy lifting, okay? And there's a bunch. There's a bunch of scripture, but I want you to know what God has to say about himself. What the Holy Spirit, which, which the, the Word of God is inspired and breathed of the Holy Spirit, what he has to say about himself, and what, what the Father has to say about the Holy Spirit, what the Son has to say about the Holy Spirit. So in each of the four Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's a statement that's made saying, John baptized in water, Jesus will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. So Matthew 3.11 Talia, I'm going to fly, sweetie, so you just stay with me. I bapt- Matthew 3.11 I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He, this is John speaking, speaking about Jesus. Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. In Mark, John the Baptist is speaking again. Mark 1.8 I have baptized you with water but he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In Luke, John the Baptist says this. Luke 3.16 John answered them all saying I baptize you with water but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And then in John as part of the introduction John was, was a pioneer. He, he paved the way for Jesus. John, John goes a little bit further in his description. He says this in John one twenty nine. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Verse 33. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. And the story that John's talking about is, is, is when Jesus was baptized. Not a, not a baptism of repentance because Jesus didn't need to be, he didn't need to repent. 
He was sinless. But it needed to be done to complete and to fulfill all righteousness. So Jesus was baptized when he came up out of the water. The Holy Spirit descended upon him and remained upon him and never left. And a voice from heaven came said, this is my son whom I love. In him I am well pleased. And keep in mind, Jesus had never done a miracle to this point. The father wasn't saying, this is my son whom I love. In him I'm well pleased because Jesus had done all these great things. It's like, what a phenomenal portfolio, Jesus. What an incredible resume. I give you my stamp of approval. Jesus hadn't done anything yet. He goes, no, I love you. And I'm proud of you because you're mine, because you bear my likeness. Friends, God's good pleasure upon us is not based upon our, our spiritual resume. It's based upon the fact that as children of God, when we, when we believe Him and we live our lives like we believe Him, He goes, that's my boy, that's my girl. And He just raves. He's got all of your colorings on His refrigerator. All of them. He loves us. promise of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, it says this, and while staying with them, he ordered them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus was careful to repeat that promise. And then the fulfillment of that promise is recorded in Acts chapter 2. So verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. I think that's kind of cool, by the way, that they were sitting. They were just, I mean, sitting, waiting. And the Holy Spirit arrives. And divided tongues of fire as of fire, appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We see three things in this. First, there was a baptism. The Holy Spirit immersed them. Second, it was individual. Even though it took place in a room and it took place over a crowd, it was individual. Because our God is an individual God. Right now, I'm speaking the same words to every one of us and to everyone who's watching on YouTube. But God's taking different things and highlighting them to each one of us because He's an individual personal God. And the third thing is there was an overflow. An overflow. I think this is one of those principles that we need to grab a hold of. When when we are baptized and we are just immersed in the Holy Spirit, there's an overflow. And we're never supposed to keep it to ourselves. This overflow we see, they were speaking in tongues. There's other places we see they prophesied. There's other places we see they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. There's supposed to be an overflow. It's supposed to be a sign that God is alive and God is real. And that Jesus is not a liar. Why do I say that? Why do I say that that this overflow of the Holy Spirit is meant to show that Jesus is not a liar? Because Jesus made the audacious statement when he said, it is better that I go away. This is what he said to his disciples on on one of his last, last meal with them, last discussion with them. He said, it is better that I go away so the Holy Spirit can come. And if it's better, and Jesus... Okay, we rave about Jesus every week. 
Okay, that is the name that we want to lift high in our songs. We sing about Jesus. We exalt Jesus. And Jesus says, it's better that I go away so that the Holy Spirit can be sent. So there has to be power in this to touch other lives for him. See, Jesus, although the Son of God, was one man. And when he walked his ministry on this earth, he had 24 hours, just like you and I did. See, the Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit doesn't have those limits. The Holy Spirit doesn't have the limitations of being in one place at one time. The Holy Spirit doesn't have the limitations of having one discussion with one person at one time. It's better that Jesus went away so that we can be taught and comforted and empowered and led by the Holy Spirit. Luke 11, 11 through 13 says this. What father among you if his son asks for a fish, will instead, instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or, or if that son asks for an egg, will that father give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil, thanks Lord, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Once again, there's the asking, there's the thirst, there's the hunger. We've got to ask. More, Lord. Lord, I'm asking you for more. Lord, I'm asking for more of you. Lord, I don't don't want to come across as as entitled or selfish. I'm just so hungry for you. I, I want more of you. I want more of your presence. The Holy Spirit is good. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are good. I referenced uh, that conversation that I had where the Lord just gave me you know, a word of knowledge to just speak over, over this brother. That gift, did, did that gift benefit me or did that gift benefit someone else? This isn't a trick question. The answer is someone else and I'm going to go ahead and ask it again. Did that gift benefit me or did that gift benefit someone else? See, the Holy Spirit gives us gifts to benefit someone else. But there's got to be overflow. There's got to be a willingness to be used of God. He gives us good gifts, not so that we can hoard them and collect them and do awesome Facebook posts about them. Here's an Instagram, me and my gifts. He gives us gifts so we can use them to benefit others. Like when we pray, it benefits others. Now, it's an incredible blessing because it it strengthens us too. It encourages us too. It just shoots courage into our heart too. But he gives us gifts to give to others. Acts 11, 15. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord when he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to stand in God's way? That's awesome. That's Peter saying, I didn't know the Lord would give it to people who weren't Jewish. That's awesome. He gave it to those, those Gentiles. It's kind of self-derogatory. I don't know. It's not. The, non, the non-Jewish folks... And he gave it to them too, just like he did to us. You notice that reoccurring theme? How many times does the Bible have to say, John baptized with water, but Jesus will baptize you in the Holy Spirit? I think he, he said it that many times 
so that we can't sit there and refute this and say, okay, Lord, this, this isn't of you or this isn't for today. Or I'm here to tell you guys, it's of God. It's for today. We need the Holy Spirit and His power and His gifts and His presence and His comfort more now than ever. Anybody here grief? Anybody here hurt? Anybody here have pain? Are you exempt from the comfort of the Holy Spirit? Are, 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 you, are you able to just suck it up, take one for the team, cowboy up? Or do you need the Holy Spirit to comfort you, the comforter to comfort you? Has that passed? Has that need passed? It hasn't passed. Blessed are you who mourn, for you will be comforted. Then Jesus said, I will send you a comforter. Blessed are you who mourn because the Holy Spirit is going to comfort you. And you're going to feel fully. You're, you're going to experience the emotion fully. Will you let yourself be vulnerable so that I can rush in with something really phenomenal? And in, in the case of that passage from Matthew 5, it's, it's joy and comfort. But in the case of the Holy Spirit. It's, will you trust me and will you come to me hungry and will you come to me thirsty? I mentioned the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit before. Let me read Acts 1.8. Jesus said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit to receive supernatural power. And it, it, we're, in a, we're in a fight. We're in a battle. And the Bible says that, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not earthly. I can't just, you know, lift this sucker up and, and swing it at the enemy. You know, that would do damage if I hit somebody, you know, a human with this. But see, this is, this is carnal. This, this has no effect against the battle that we fight against our enemy, against Satan or against the world's form of religion or even against our flesh. And this is an enemy. Jesus refers to this as an enemy because the flesh wants what it wants. And a lot of times we let the flesh have its way. We let the flesh have its way. To receive supernatural power. Number two, to witness and for service. And to three, to produce unity in the body of Christ. I, I honestly, when I read this, and, and the Lord has just op- caused my eyes to be opened and to see this passage, I don't understand why every church isn't preaching this. What's, what's bad about what I, just, what I just read? I'll give you the only negative. I'll give you the only negative. Our comfort level. Because now I'm asking you to not be uh, motivated by your level of comfort. I'm asking me to not be motivated by my level of comfort. Lord, I'm not comfortable being vulnerable. Lord, I'm not comfortable uh, embracing pain. So that I, Even to get healing. Lord, I'm not comfortable with that. Lord, I'm not comfortable with speaking a heavenly language that I don't know what I'm saying. I'm not comfortable... With tongues. I, I, I saw a movie, Lord, where the bad guy was speaking in tongues and, and he, he killed like 10 people earlier in the movie and whatever whatever weird reason. And so we just get 
We allow comfort to be this driver and this motivator. In Scripture, every time someone was baptized in the Holy Spirit, they either spoke in tongues or they prophesied. Prophecy is encouragement. It's equipping. It, it imparts courage. It raves about Jesus. We need more of that. We need more of that. I don't know if you guys realized it, but every time David grabbed the mic today and talked, that was prophetic. When Christy came over, that was prophetic. When Byron said, we're going to sing Jesus Loves Me, that was prophetic. When Marie just started singing about how much she loves Jesus and how good he is, that was prophetic. Let's not make it something that's not. Every bit of these imparts courage to us. And it says that's what happens when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. So there's seven requirements. I'm going to fly by these for receiving baptism in the Holy Spirit. Number one, you've got to repent. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is only for those who have believed in Jesus. Number two, be baptized. But even in that, like we've seen the order in Scripture, we've seen people baptized in the Holy Spirit before they were baptized in water because they were just so hungry. They were so thirsty for the Holy Spirit. Number three, be thirsty. Jesus said, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Number four, come to Jesus. Jesus says to the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, come to Jesus. Leave that place of comfort. Leave, leave the seat. Leave fear behind and come to Jesus. Leave religious thinking behind and come to Jesus. Leave pride behind and come to Jesus. Five, ask. I've been talking about that principle the whole time. Ask. It's a principle. You've got to ask. I have to ask. He's like, I got, man, I've got this big old Santa, you know, Grinch bag full of good things for you. But you got to ask. You got to ask. Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. That's what Jesus said. But you got to ask. I got to ask. And then receive. We got to breathe them in. We got to drink. And we don't drink by, you know, tipping the liquid to our lips. We drink by breathing Him in. And the natural response and the supernatural response is exhale. And that's where we see the prophetic come. That's where we see the gift of tongues come. That's where we see the gifts of the Spirit come. That's where we see word of knowledge, word of wisdom, prophecy. That's where we see these things come. It's where we see teaching come. It's where we see encouragement come. Through that exhale, that breathing out of what God's put inside of us. And then number seven, we just have to yield. And I think this is the tough part because it's just too easy. I mean, there's no more hoops to jump through. There's no push-ups to do. We don't have a big, like, Holy Ghost um, truck tire that you got to, you know, turn over. and uh, You just got to yield. You just got to say, okay, Lord. Jesus, you just baptized me in your Holy Spirit. Now I just yield to you. What gift do you want to come forth first? Then what gift do you want to come forth next? And Lord, how do you want me to use those gifts? And Lord, how do you want me to grow in those gifts? And, and the Holy Spirit's a teacher. 
He's going to teach you. He's going to guide you. But I said it before, our God is a supernatural God, but yet we're comfortable by our God being within the confines of being a natural God. Because we're just not entirely comfortable with Him being a supernatural God. We want Him to be a natural God. And He's not a natural God. And He's never going to fit into your box, uh, or my box, or anyone's box, of, of a supernatural God being a natural God. And He flows in the supernatural. 